Chapter 11 of My Experiences as an Executioner by James Berry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 11 Hanging from a Business Point of View. I have stated in Chapter 2 the reasons which led me to take the office as executioner. The reader will remember that I then claimed no higher motive than a desire to obtain a living for my family by an honest trade. I am not ashamed of my calling, because I consider that if it is right for men to be executed, which I believe it is in murder cases, it is right that the office of executioner should be held respectable. Therefore, I look at hanging from a business point of view. When I first took up the work, I was in the habit of applying to the sheriff of the county whenever a murderer was condemned to death. I no longer consider it necessary to apply for work in England because I am well known, but I still send a simple address card, as above, when an execution in Ireland is announced. In the earlier days I made application on a regular printed form, which gave the terms and left no opening for mistake or misunderstanding. Of this form I give a reduced reproduction on opposite page. I still use this circular when a sheriff from whom I have had no previous commission writes for terms. The travelling expenses are understood to include second-class railway fare from Bradford to the place of execution and back, and cab fare from railway station to jail. If I am not lodged in the jail, hotel expenses are also allowed. As a rule, the expenses are not closely reckoned, but the sheriffs vote a lump sum which they think will cover it, and if the execution has been satisfactory, the sum granted is generally more than enough to cover what I have spent. There are, on an average, some twenty executions annually, so the reader can calculate pretty nearly what my remuneration for a work, which carries with it a great deal of popular odium, which is in many ways disagreeable and which may be accompanied as it has been in my own experience by serious danger resulting in permanent bodily injury it will be seen that the net commission is not by any means an exorbitant annual sum considering all the circumstances of the office and that it does not approach the amount which some people have stated that i was able to earn of course my earnings are entirely uncertain, since they wholly depend upon the number of executions, and this arrangement, by which my livelihood depends upon the number of poor fellows condemned to die, is, to me, the most repugnant feature of my work. It seems a horrible thing that I should have to peruse newspaper reports in the hope that a fellow creature may be condemned to death whenever I wish to feel sure that business is not falling off, and that I should have to regard as evil days and hard times those periods where there seems to be laws in the annals of crime, and when one might reasonably hope that a better state of things was dawning in the land. These considerations, and the more selfish but still perfectly natural wish to be certain of my income, and of my ability to give my children a fair start in life, have led me to strongly approve of the suggestion that the executioner's office should be a government appointment with a fixed salary instead of an uncertain commission. When the Lord's Committee on Capital Punishment was sitting early in 1887, I expressed my views on this matter in a letter addressed to the President of the Committee, Lord Aberdare. 
I am not without hope that a change in the arrangements for regulating the office of executioner will ere long be made, and the lines on which I think that it might be most reasonably and satisfactorily done are set forth in the letter to Lord Aberdare, which I append. 1 Bilton Place, City Road, Bradford, February 1887 My Lord, I have been for some time past in correspondence with Mr. Howard Vincent, MP for Sheffield, with reference to alteration in the mode of remunerating my services in carrying into effect the sentence of the law upon criminals convicted of capital crimes. Mr. Howard Vincent has suggested that I should address myself to the Honourable Committee on Capital Punishment through your Lordship as their President. I would therefore respectfully point out to your Lordship and your Honourable Committee that the present mode of payment for my services is unsatisfactory and undesirable and that a change is needed. As your Lordship is doubtless unaware, under the existing arrangements I am paid the sum of £10 together with travelling and other incidental expenses for each execution conducted by me. There are, on an average, roughly speaking, 25 executions yearly. What I would respectfully suggest is that instead of this payment by commission, I should receive a fixed salary from the government of £350 per annum. I may say that since accepting the appointment, I have never received less than 270 in any one year. I am informed that in determining a fixed salary or compensation in lieu of a payment by commission, the average annual amount received is made the basis for the calculation. It will be apparent to your Lordship that an offer of a less sum than the former average would not be sufficiently advantageous to induce me to exchange the old system for the new. I may further, with your Lordship's permission, draw attention to the peculiar social position in which I am placed by reason of holding the office before referred to. I am to great extent alone in the world, as a certain social ostracism is attendant upon such office, and extends not to myself alone, but also includes the members of my family. It therefore becomes extremely desirable that my children should, for their own sakes, be sent to a school away from this town. To do this, of course, would entail serious expenditure, only to be incurred in the event of my being able to rely on a fixed source of income, less liable to variation than the present remuneration by commission alone. I am also unable, for obvious reasons, to obtain any other employment. My situation as boot salesman, held by me previous to my acceptance of the office of executioner, had to be given up on that account alone, my employer having no fault to find with me, but giving that as the sole reason for dispensing with my services. My late employer will give me a good reference as to general character, and the governors of jails in which I have conducted executions will be ready to speak as to my steadiness and also my ability and skill on performing the duties devolving upon me. In conclusion, I should be ready to give and call evidence on the points herein before referred, if it should seem fit to your Lordship and your Honourable Committee, on receiving a notification to that effect. 
Under these circumstances, I trust that your lordship will be able to see the way clear to embody in your honourable committee's report a recommendation to the effect that a fixed annual sum of £350 should be paid me for my services rendered in the office of executioner. I have the honour to be your lordship's obedient, humble servant, James Berry. To the right honourable Lord Aberdare, President, Capital Punishment Committee, Whitehall, London, SW. P.S. If your Honourable Committee has an alternative to the foregoing proposal, I would respectfully suggest that I am permanently retained by the Home Office at a nominal sum of £100 a year, exclusive of fees at present paid to me by sheriffs of different counties and the usual expenses. In connection with this subject, I should like to point out that in asking for the office of executioner to be made a recognised and permanent appointment, I am not suggesting any new thing, but merely a return to the conditions in force not much more than fifteen years ago. Up to 1874, the executioner was a permanently established and recognised official. Mr. Calcraft, the last who occupied this position, was retained by the sheriffs of the City of London with a fee of one pound, one shilling, zero pence per week, and also had a retainer from Horsemonger Lane Jail. In addition to his fees, he had various perquisites which made these two appointments alone sufficient for his decent maintenance, and he also undertook executions all over the country, for which he was paid at about the same rate as I am at present, but with perquisites in all case. In 1874 he retired, and the City of London allowed him a pension of 25 shillings a week for life. Mr. Calcraft's successor was Mr. William Marwood, who had no official status. He had a retaining fee of £20 a year from the sheriffs of the City of London, but beyond that he had to depend upon the fees for individual executions and reprieves. In his time also there were considerable perquisites, for instance the clothing and personal property possessed by the criminal at the time of his execution became the property of the executioner. These relics were often sold for really fancy prices and formed no mean item in the annual takings. But the sale and exhibition of such curiosities were only pandering to a morbid taste on the part of some sections of the public, and it was ordered by the government, very rightly from a public point of view, but very unfortunately for the executioner, that personal property left by the criminal should be burned. In many other countries, the post of executioner is permanent. In some cases it is hereditary, as in France, where it has remained in the Dibler family, passing from sire to son for a great length of time. Even in British territory at the present time a permanent official hangsman is not entirely unknown, for in Malta the post is a definite appointment to which a salary of £30 is attached. In England the sheriff is the officer appointed to carry out the executions, and though he is allowed to employ a substitute if he can find one, it would fall to him to personally conduct the execution if no substitute could be obtained. In certain cases in days gone by there has been great difficulty in securing anyone who would undertake the unpleasant duty, though I do not remember any recorded instance of the sheriff being absolutely unable to engage an executioner. End of chapter 11. Recording by Ashley Jane.